Save, save me some candy. All right, would you turn to your neighbor and give them a smile as if to say good morning with your smile? Would you turn to your neighbor? Turn to your other neighbor as well. Turn to your other neighbor. Look behind you. Look in front of you. Amen. 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 I'm glad you're here. I'm Pastor Marshall. It's good to see everybody this morning. So we are starting a new three-week series, even during the summer. While y'all are taking summer vacations, pastors working hard and praying and studying. And uh, so we are starting a new three-week series, a new three-week summer series called Love What Matters. Yes, yes, yeah. Um, this this was birthed in me from the thought of thinking of Jesus and his church. You know, Jesus died for the church, right? Who's the church? We are the church. You are the church. You and I be the church. Um, and so I thought, why don't we start off the summer giving you something for you? And so I thought of a question that Jesus was asked once. When, he, when Jesus was asked what mattered most, when he, when he was asked what was the greatest commandment, what mattered most, Jesus replied to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. He said that's the first thing we need to do. The second thing we need to do is we need to love our neighbor as ourselves, right? And so I thought about how many of us can honestly say that we do that? How many of you can say we honestly do that? That would be nod, pastor, or just no, no, no. Um, for many of us, for most of us, we, we, we don't do that. We, we, we want to honor the first commitment we have, and the first thing that we say that what matters most is how much money we make. I'm not going to get any amens when I start off like this. I know that. But most of us, we say what matters most is how many friends or followers we have on social media, on the gram, on, on Facebook, how many friends we have, how many people, how many people we hang out with, uh, who, who we hang out with, their, so their, their, their status. Some say what matters most is our family. Our family is what matters most. Yeah, yeah. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said what mattered most is first loving God, right? And then everything else to take care of itself. Everything else would flow. Everything else would flow from that. So in this series, what we're going to do is I, I want to look at examples. I want to look at examples of what it means to love God first, what it means to, to give yourself totally and completely to God. And then I want to look at what it means for us to give ourselves totally and completely to others. And we're going to look at different examples in Scripture. And then, what it, and then we're going to look at, thirdly, what it means to love ourselves. Man, we don't, we don't hear too many people preaching on that. What does it mean to love ourselves? Because sometimes we don't love God correctly, church. If we're honest, we, we, we don't love God correctly because we don't love ourselves correctly. And so we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna talk about that on the third week. So I'm just going to give you a short series this summer as we start off. So the context for where we're going today is in Psalm 63. We'll be there in a second. But in Psalm 63, David, King David, finds himself in the wilderness. He's out of the palace, and he's in the desert. He's in the dry place. Have you ever been in a dry place? 
Yeah, I, I've been in some dry places. Have you ever had a dry season? You're not really hearing from God. It doesn't seem like God's doing anything for you in your job. He's not really doing anything in your life. You're, you're just existing. You're just going through the motions on autopilot. Have you, ever been, have you ever been driving somewhere and you just automatically end up at your destination? You don't even, you didn't, wasn't even thinking about how you got there. I, I've, done, I've done that. Am I the only weird one? Oh, okay, okay. You ever had times in your life where God was on autopilot? You just, he, he's there, you know, you trust him, and, and yet nothing's really happening. So David finds himself there. He's, he's, he's being chased, he's chased out of his palatial palace, and he's in the wilderness. And he writes to us from there today. He writes to us from there. Any place outside of God and outside of the dependence of God is a dry place. When you're out of his presence, when you're out of his dependence. Everybody say presence and dependence. If you're out of those two things, you're out on your own. You're in a dry place. It's a dry season. So it was there where David penned our point for today. It was there that David remembered to search for the one he needed most, for what mattered most. Yeah, so if you'll turn with me to Psalm 63. In the 63rd Psalm, we're just going to highlight and lift up this one verse, Psalm 63, verse 1. It'll be on the screen. Psalm 63, this is what David is writing in a dry place. He says, oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. Here, David reflects on something profound that's going to help us today. Although David fully belonged to God, he was searching for more of him. I said David fully belonged to God. We know the scripture says that David was a man after God's own heart, right? He was fully God, but he found himself in a dry place. When he found himself in a dry place, church, he didn't ask for water and food. We know we only can go three days without water. And only a few more days past that without food. So in the dry season, he said, God, you know where I am. You are my God. Oh, God, you are my God. I'm searching for you with my whole being. David wanted more. David wanted more. And I believe I'm preaching to some people this morning who want more. You saw all that God has done. You see all that God is doing in others. And, 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 you, and you look at the need in your family and your life. And I just want more. I want more. So I want to use as a subject this morning just simply more of God. More of God. God, we want more. Would you help us, Lord? We're praying. Father, I've studied, but I need your strength. Lord, I've prayed, but yet I still need your power. Father, would you do for your people what only you can do? I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give us more. Give us more. More church begins with a search. You've got to want it. God's not going to come out of heaven. He's not going to send a neighbor over to you and say, get more of me. We're going to have situations, but God is waiting on us. 
He's waiting on us. So, so more begins with the search. David finds himself in the wilderness. He's, he's hungry. He's thirsty. He, he doesn't have all the creature comforts of home. Thank you, by the way, for those of you who come and sit beyond the ropes. You know, here at our church, since we've planted, we've said that we want to be a church who's comfortable being uncomfortable. That means sitting beside people that you don't, don't normally see, sit next to. Matter of fact, everybody that sits over here and that's comfortable, sit over there. Amen. Everybody that's sitting back there, sit up here. You know why I want you to be comfortable being uncomfortable? Because when you're uncomfortable enough, you start getting out of your comfort zone. So when you're at the coffee pot, when you're at the water jug and someone's talking about some need that you, you can step out of your comfort zone and say, hey, I'll pray for you. And be used of God and not just going about your way. So practice in private what you want to perfect in public. That's for free. Anyway, wanting more of God begins with a search. It begins with a search for him. Our Christian life begins with a search as well. I'm reminded of a story I read recently. It's, it's not something I made up. It's just something I found. I'm reminded of a story of a boss who called his employee because something had went wrong on the job. So he calls his employee, and his employee doesn't pick up the phone. His son does. And so the son answers the phone. Hello. And the boss says, is your daddy there? And the son says, yes. He's whispering. And he says, can I talk to your dad? And the son says, no. And he said, well, is your mommy there? And he says, yes. Well, can I speak to your mommy? He said, no. And then he says, well, is there anybody here I can talk to? And the son says, yes. The police. And he says, well, why are they there? They're talking to mommy and daddy. And he says, well, what's the noise in the background? What's going on? He said, that's the helicopter. <laughs> and this goes on and on for a while. And he said, why is there a helicopter there? The search team has landed. And he said, why, why is there a search team? And he said, they're looking for me. The desire for more of God begins with a search. It begins with a search. And, and, and we see all in a silly story, we see all the resources that were available for the search for this one thing. And God said, when you search for me, yeah, I need your heart. I need your soul. I need your mind. I need all of you. I need you to use all your resources to come for me. Man, we know how to come for other people. But can we come for God? same with us. Our Christian life begins with the search for more in our walk with him. How many of you want more? How many of you want more? Oh, okay, okay. Our soul longs to be filled because our soul, our soul has a void that only God can fill. I've heard that as a young age. I was saved at the age of 14. That's when I gave my, my heart to Christ. I didn't do everything right, but I was saved. And I knew at 14, I knew that there was something that I just, I just kind of wanted to do that I needed to feel satisfaction. Something, something was missing. Have, have I got a witness? Have y'all ever had something? You just knew that something, I need more of something. And it was God. I didn't live a perfect life, 
But I knew at 14, I need something. I need something more. Something's missing. Something's missing. I was an athlete, Martine. I was a gift, a gifted athlete. I, and later on, I got scholarships to go play ball and different stuff. But I, I still, stuff was missing. And as I developed my walk with Christ, I started to put, I started to realize, not because the pastor told me, because I read for myself that, and I and I experienced myself that you know what, God has to keep me here, not some girl I'm dating, not a scholarship, not my Navy career that I would go off and excel in sustain what I was missing. Many of us have tried all sorts of things to fill that void. We've tried all sorts of things. We tried to fill the void with spouses and friends. If I could just get married, if you could send me the right man, the right man may have the wrong motives. Y'all not going to clap. I'm going to clap. Pastor, preach to me. You're in your t-shirt, so you're preaching today. I feel cool. Um, we try to fill a void with all kinds of stuff. All kinds of stuff. We try to fill our void with activities and hobbies. The, the only thing that God can satisfy, we try to go from one high to the next. Kids, we're going to go, go do this. Kids, we're going to, and there's nothing wrong with activities and hobbies. There's nothing wrong with a good party. I like to party. But he's my priority. Man, that's for somebody. We search to fill a void inside of us that only God can fill with his love, church, is what I'm trying to get you to understand. That's why scripture says, and it warns us, it warns us what not to love. You know, scripture warns you what not, what not to love. It says in 1 John 2, 15, that, that we are not to love the things of the world. And this is why, you know, I won't ever give you um, uh, information without application. But this is why the scripture says and warns us not to love the world. You know, God so loved the world. He, he's the only one that is able to, to, to take on the world such a great thing and, and yet still have the restraint to not let it have him. Have you ever had the, the world? Have you ever been in the world and, and you had things and the things had you? Sometimes our cars have us. And, oh, okay, I'm going to stop meddling. But anyway, the Bible warns us what not to love. And this is why it says in 1 John 2.15, For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father. You do not have the love of the Father in you. Man, that spoke to me this week. When you love, when you, when you love the world, when, when I'm desiring other things more than God, it says that I don't have the love of God in me. And we wonder why things get out of balance. Wow, wow. The world wants more of us because the world knows how to treat its love, how to treat its lovers. You know that, right? with the accolades and accomplishments and achievements of, of success. The world knows how to treat its lovers. It's going to lure you in with all kinds of stuff. It's going to lure me in with everything we think, and then it's going to leave you high and dry because it can't sustain. Oh, man. The world doesn't want more of God. Charleston Parker said this. You have three choices today. You have three choices. Charleston Parker said you can either, you can either give up, you can give in, say that again. Three choices are on the floor. You can give up, you can give in, or you can give it your all. Which one do you choose to do? You have to decide which one am I going to do. Instead of giving our all, this is this is where I, this is the warning I want to give you because this is what's happening around us. Instead of giving it our all for God, today we are giving in. 
many people are giving in. Let me explain. This is how they're giving in. We have more churches and more church plants like ourselves, more churches, but not more Christians. Not real Christians, church goers, but not Christians. We have more worship songs, but not more worshipers. And I know that by just turning around sometimes and looking. I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm trying to pick you up. We have more Bibles, but we don't have more believers. And all that's accessible to us, the power in our pocket and our phones, is more Bible access than any time in history, but not more believers evidence all around us that people are not trusting and believing in God. That's because people have given up on God. This is, this is the most evangelistic error because we have so many resources available. And yet, uh, it seems like the, the word is not effective. It seems like our lives are not as effective. And I believe because we're not sold out to seeking more so we have people that are giving in to their desires and we and, and they are giving in uh, to the world and giving their all to the world. And when we're all in, when you're all in, you don't need an invitation. When you're all in for God, remember when you were dating, when you were all in? When you were all in, you didn't wait for a call. You showed up at the house. They were going to the store and you're right there. Stalking. <laughs> Not dating. Before you were really dating and committed or married, you were stalking. You had social media in the, in the young days, Sammy. Now, now they're probably looking on Facebook. Where's she going? Where's she going? You know, Tiffany has a thing on my phone where I'll go to the store. And I, oh, man, I'm bad at this. I'll go off to the store. Babe, I'm going to run up to Harris Teeters or whatever and I'll end up over at Home Depot. And she'll come back. Well, what was you looking at? Huh? Well, she's looking at my phone. She's like, he went here and now he's. <laughs> I'm like, girl, I don't have nothing to hide, but Lord. Oh my gosh. I was looking at some stuff. <laughs> I'm either on Amazon, Home Depot, Walmart, something. I'm looking at some stuff. <laughs> oh my gosh. But anyway, when we're all in, we don't need an invitation. We take the initiative to say, to seek it out. That thing that we think is of value, that thing that we think that matters, right? Yeah, yeah. And so King David in the scripture today, he King David was all God's. But eventually he did things his own way. We know he sinned with Bathsheba. He did he did different things. Uh, David had a flesh problem. He had a he liked women, but David was known as a praiser. He was known as a praiser. So although he was all gods, he had consequences that followed him. And, and we find him in the text. He's in the wilderness and, and he's out of his palatial palace. He doesn't have the creature comforts of friends. He doesn't have family and he doesn't ask for none of that. He's still all gods. The thing I love about David, I so relate with David, is because David knew how to forgive, to ask for forgiveness. He knew how to repent and to get right back in line with God. And so it was there in the wilderness. David is, is running from his son. Some scholars say he's running from Solomon. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, Samson. Or Saul, I'm sorry, Saul. He's running from Saul. Other scholars say he's running from Absalom, his son chose to do his way. And anyway, whichever one he's running from, he's he's out in the wilderness. He's in his 
dry place. And the thing he asked for is God. And now I know, I understand why the, the word says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you and to me. So David knows, David knows that if I start lining my life back up with him and seek him, he'll take care of everything else. He's all God's, but he's in a dry place. And he wants more. Because God matters. Man, the search for God continues for us by knowing whose we are. I said by knowing whose you are. When you know whose you are, then you'll know, you'll get a clue to who you are. When you know whose you are, you'll get a clue to who, who you are. So David knew at the core who he was. Yes, he was the king, and he states that later on in, in, uh, in, uh, in the text, in six, uh, Psalm 63, later on at the end, verse 10 or 11-ish, he says that he's the king. But at the core, David knew that he was a worshiper. And you have to know who you are as a child of God. I've been saved how long? What am I at this point? Am I a worshiper? Am I a believer? All of you are believers. What, what, what is my gift to ministry? What, 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 is, what is it that God calls me when he looks at me? How do I see myself? David knew at the core he was a worshiper. 2 Corinthians 5, 15, 17 says, If anyone is in Christ, emphasis, in Christ, purposeful inflection. He is a new creation. When we are truly God's church, when we are truly God's, we're truly changed. But you're a new creation. You're a new creation. So what that what does that mean, Pastor? Uh, I'm going to help you. What, that, what does that mean? That means a worshiper in Christ searches for ways to worship. When there was a void, I worshiped everything. Whatever I desired, I worshiped. And in, in Christ, a believer looks for ways to believe in God. I call it finding the treasure in the trash. I might find myself in a dry place or a dry season, but I'm looking for the treasure in this trash. I'm looking for the, 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 the rainbow, if you will, to my dreary day. But before... I was in Christ before you were in Christ. Maybe you believed everything. You believed in karma and you believed in all these other things. Yes, you love God and you believe in God, but you had these other things, these other idols that you believed also. You weren't, you aren't all in. In Christ, a giver, we're just talking about the change, the difference the change makes. As, 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 a, as a giver in Christ, I look for ways to give to God his work. Pastor don't have to beat you up about giving 10% of your income. Pastor don't have to beat you up about, hey, every first Sunday we we, we have uh, the, 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 the meals that we provide for the kids because we have nine homeless families that we take care of. And, and, and so we bring in that food every Sunday. We give because we're trying to get a building later. Pastor don't have to, pastor don't have to beat me up to do that. And y'all know I don't talk about giving a lot. But a giver in Christ looks for ways to give. I ain't got to hunt you down. But when there was a void, I gave to other causes. Or I gave to the cause, but I don't give like I should to him. 
He's just talking about the contrast. In Christ, out of Christ. More of God, church, means more of God means more, less of myself. And that's when the change happened. When I was doing it this way, now I'm doing it this way. I see clearly now. But God promises us, and we're wrapping up here with this. God promises us in Jeremiah 29, 13. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will will find me. That means God is accessible. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. That's a promise, church. If we seek him, we will find him. When we want more of God, more than anything else, God's given you and I a promise. An Old Testament promise. says that the the eyes of the Lord searches the whole earth looking looking to uh, serve himself strong I'm paraphrasing to be strong in the life of those who's committed to him I read that and that changed the game for me that the eyes of the Lord searches throughout the whole earth looking so God searches for you we need to search for him it's a continuous thing searching for him, he's searching for me. To show himself strong in the committed. Oh man, it's a beautiful thing. But how do we get more of God? I'm glad you asked with your eyes. Now some of you looking at me with that tone on your tone of voice on your face. How do I get more of God? First Chronicles 22 19 says that we should set our mind and our heart on God. What does that look like? You need to fix your mind before you're in the dry place. David had a heart to worship God. He had a heart after God. He knew that when I find myself in a place that's out of balance, I can turn to him. So we got to set our mind. How do we set our mind? We got to focus our attention on what's really going on in our lives. It's not It's not saying, oh, there's a problem, but I'm going to avoid it. It's, it's focus on this is where I am, Lord. If you can't be true to God, God, this is where I am. This is what I need. I need more of you so you can help me fix this. And then how we set our hearts on it is to open his word and just maybe read his word one verse at a time. Call out what it is. Look in his word and just read a sentence. Take your time and just have that be your prayer. A sentence, maybe just a paragraph in his word so that later on you can pull from it. Just read a sentence and let that be a prayer. Hebrews 10, 35, 36 says, Cast not away therefore your confidence, which you have great recompense of reward, that after you've done the will of God, you shall refill, you shall uh, be rewarded. So you know how many times I pulled back? I pulled from that. I pulled from that. Because I prayed that. I prayed that back when I was in the Navy, before I retired, back, back in the day, when I was in a
you going to give up? Are you going to give in? Are you going to give it your all? That's what God wants. He's searching. The eyes of the Lord are searching. Who's committed? Who's, who can I show myself strong in? But they're not going to believe this on the job. They're how in the world they keep getting all this favor and all this happening. God's showing himself strong in you because you're committed. And then we're searching for him. God, it's you and it's you that's making this happen. It's you that's opening these doors. You have made me pregnant. You have brought this person into my life. It's you that gave me the raise, Lord. It's you, God, that's, that's opening these doors. The favor of God falls on those who are faithful. you want more of God, he's inexhaustible. You can't exhaust God. If you want more of God, more is available. I believe when, when we love God with our heart, our mind, our soul, when we love him that way, more will always be possible. You know why? Pastor, say, pa- Pastor why? Because you matter. You matter to him. Would you stand with me? Heads bowed. Eyes are closed. We're focusing. We're focusing. We're locked in right now. You and God, we're locked in. We're moving around. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Within yourself, agree with Pastor over us as a community, as a community who loves God, who loves his church. Be in agreement with this prayer. Lord, to yourselves, Lord, I give you my all. I set my mind and my heart on you and you alone. Help me by your spirit to not give up, to not give in, Lord, but to give you my all. The journey begins with me, Lord, making that decision. So, Father, I commit my life to you, and I pray that your your blessings will follow me, your favor will find me, and that others will see the evidence of a fully committed heart because they found a fully committed life. That's our prayer. And Lord, as we started off this year, help me to remind our people that your will be done. Lord, we're praying for your will. Nothing more, nothing less, and nothing else. Your will, nothing more, 